Good morning. And welcome to this weird topic of the supernatural. I just was sitting there thinking, we are so used to baptisms. Most of us see them. We had a few here the other day that we forget that it's a little bit weird. Why would you go in winter to a beach? Weird, yet wonderful. Wonderful, eh? And we celebrate Sam Jack. Good. You know, there's lots of things in this world that I cannot see. I can feel the effects, the evidence of the wind, anger, love. I can't see the Trinity, can't see God, can't see the spirit within me. I can't see Jesus on the throne. I can't see eternity. I can't see the kingdom of God. I can't see the kingdom of darkness. I can't see the prince of the world. Here's a question. Can I see the host of heaven? Can I see angels? Can I see demons? Well, hang around and let's see what we can see. But this I know, most of those, there's evidence of the existence. Here's a verse from Hebrews 11, and it reminds us that faith, our faith, shows us the reality of what we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. So my subject today is beings, you know, beings. Now, how would you go if you had to talk about beings? Well, we go, of course, to the first chapters where all of the main characters in the God story in the Bible, in our story, are presented to them, to us. They're all there in the first three chapters, most of them in the first chapter. So first of all, we're introduced to God. In the beginning, God. The beginning, whenever the beginning was, God already existed. Now this word God is just a generic term for God. Do you know what that means? Hands up every mum in here. Mum, that's a generic term, until I talk about my mum. And that becomes my specific. So God is like just a name for all of the gods in this world. But our God says he is God of gods. Lord is the name that he introduced himself to us the one who is and will be, the one who says, I am eternally, I am Yahweh, Lord. So we have Lord God Almighty, and usually there's a word that defines our God, unless someone's talking about your God or my God. So the God of the Bible says that this God, the God we worship, is the supreme, almighty, creator God above all gods, Lord of lords. So you got that one? There's our first being, God. Now, I can't see this God, but I can see evidence in the life of someone like Sam Jack of God at work. It's great, eh? Very good. Well, the next one, believe it or not, the next lot of beings are the host of heavens. The host of heavens. Now, 
I am not sure that we have ever talked about the host of heavens, but it's there. You know, God created out of this dark, formless world, and he got to the stage where he said, let's make lights appear to separate the sky, dark, and night. Let them be signs. You've got that word? Signs. And let the lights appear in the sky, I'll read it up here, to separate the day from night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons. Let these lights shine in the sky, down to the earth. And that's what happened. Next verse, listen to what it says. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Now, you might think, well, that's interesting. But what is the role of these? They're signs, and they govern. Now, we know that God gives authority. You got that? For those who need to go back to that one, we did a message on that a couple of weeks ago in the PM service. But God gave the sun, moon, and stars the right to govern. And did you know when you come to the psalm, Psalm 8, listen to this. I think it's amazing. These signs, this star to rule, they are also commanded and invited to worship. So the psalmist in Psalm 148 wrote this. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all the heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all the twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing praise the Lord, for he issued the command, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Paul actually wrote in Romans, one of the books in the newer part of the Bible, a long time after this, he actually said, we can know the truth about God because God has made it obvious. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. The invisible qualities of God, we call these, um, so that they may know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities. How about that? Clearly see his invisible qualities. Seems like an axiom there. His eternal power and divination so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. We'd have no excuse. We've got the star and moon. But what does Paul say later on? He says that we got it all wrong. Instead of the stars, the moon, and the um, sun being a sign to point us to the invisible God and that there must be a creator... We exchanged the worship of the creator 
and we worshipped creation. And so you have Stephen, a character that we meet in the newer part of the Bible, who actually said this to the people that he was ministering to. He said that because you've worshipped the false gods, God turned away from them and handed them over to the worship of the host in heaven, sun, moon, and stars, as it is written in the book of his prophets. So to, even to this day, there are people who are fascinated with the sun, moon, stars, galaxies, and there is a sense of even glorifying them and forgetting the creator. That is the host of heaven. You got that one? The host of heaven signs to point us to the invisible reality of our creator God and to rule and distinguish between light and darkness. And it is so easy, especially in a non-literate culture, to start worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars and whatever else you can see up in the sky. Go and have a look at the sky and know that they, what's in the sky, is there to help you celebrate the Creator. The next lot of beings are called human beings, okay? We've got God, we've got the host of heaven, and then in Genesis 1, we're introduced to, introduced to us. What an amazing comparison. You've got this incredible, dazzling sense of light illuminating the skies, and you've got humans made from dirt. Isn't that a comparison? Amazing. Again, I want to go to the scriptures here. Psalm 8. When I look up into the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals, human beings, that you should think about them? Human beings that you, the almighty God, should care for. You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything, putting all things under their authority. That's how humans were created. Humans were created to have authority to rule over this great big thing called earth. We were made by God for God, to live in harmony with God, harmony with each other, and with God's creature, creation. And for that to happen, God gave the first humans paradise. Or if you like, heaven came down into earth, and that first place, Eden, was where heaven and earth met. And Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, and knew what it was to be innocent, to enjoy God, and to delight in God. Paradise. But you and I also know that they were deceived, and they lost that place. Because the next being that we were introduced to was a crafty old snake. Chapter 3. It talks about the snake. Look, honestly, it's not until we read 
the rest of scriptures that we get any clear idea of what the snake is always is about, okay? Who it is. And we come to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. And if you want some clues as to how to read that, listen to the message spoken last night by Christoph Ox on the end times and how to read Revelation. Because unfortunately, we don't have time to go there. But it's in that book we discover who this snake is. Revelation 12, it says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, that introduces to more beings that we'll talk about in a minute, and the dra- fought the dragon and his angels. And the angel lost the battle, and he and the angels were forced out of heaven. That is what we call the first rebellion. Okay, against God. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, you got it? That first snake that was introduced to us in chapter 3. This ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with his board of angels, with all of the principalities and powers and the evil spirits that came with Satan. So we know that there's Michael, good angel, we'll talk about that in a minute, and bad angels that are under the control of this dragon, this serpent, this beast, different names used throughout the Bible. We call him sometimes the devil, and he's got his demons. Not to do anything with the football. Got his demons. And they're called angels sometimes. But the most incredible name that we need to understand about Satan is that he is called in the New Testament the prince of this earth. He is the one who has a limited sphere of activity, he has no more activity in the realm of where God dwells in the heavens. He's been cast down, okay? And he prowls around, he goes around this earth, and he knows his time is short, and he only has one mission. One mission only is to destroy the church. That which Jesus brought into being through his death and resurrection and the fact that he is now at the right hand of God, above all authorities, above all powers, above the principalities, above all this. But the devil knows his time short, and the devil is very active. And next Sunday night, you can find out all about that, because I mustn't get sidetracked now. Uh, So, yeah, words to describe the devil. Be aware, because he can come as an angel of light. And he's very good at deceiving us. He's very, very, very good at telling lies. And unfortunately, we're good at listening to lies. So the place where heaven and earth met, this place called Edom, humans were banished from there, and so was Satan. But right there, when they were banished from this space, we know that God 
sent cherubims. You have to get used to these names, eh? Cherubims. What on earth are they? Well, we are told that they were there to guard Eden so that humans and the snake could no longer come back in to partake or to eat of the tree of life. They lost the privilege of access to life. And they lived in the control of the prince of this earth. So we're introduced to cherubim. And uh, we also, before we go there, let's just have a look at a little bit about Satan. We know that Michael, a good angel, fought bad angels. From the book of Moses, a book of, <laughs> the story of Moses, sorry, book of Moses. If you can find that in your Bible, you let me know. <laughs> I'm missing something here. Uh, from the Moses story, the book of Exodus, you discover that he had to go and fight the gods of Egypt. But we think it was Pharaoh. But it was actually, you read it there, it was the gods of Egypt. And Daniel was praying to God, asking for God to answer his prayers. And finally, angel comes down and said, I had to fight the prince of Persia. So we have this idea, which will be developed next week, about evil beasts, spirits that control governments in this world. More about that later. But let's get onto the other beings, angels and cherubims and seraphims, the angel of the Lord, the myriads of uh, creatures great and small, that are in the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm is considered where God is with the pure, good, worshipping creatures. So these ones are banished, and as I said, the cherubim are guarding. And then we hear from Isaiah about seraphim. Here's Isaiah having a prayer meeting, <laughs> and he has a vision. I like those kinds of prayer meetings. And he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and his throne comes down. And he sees seraphim, and he hears them singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, constantly. This is the only word that they sing. And Isaiah has this awful sense of his own impurity as he's there before the throne in this vision. If you want to read it when you get home, have a look at chapter 6 of Isaiah. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. And the seraphim. And one of them comes and touches his lips and declares him holy. Isaiah found himself feeling very unclean in the presence of God. Now, I have no idea what these creatures look like, nor do you. We're given different names throughout scriptures. There's even four, a description in Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation about hybrid creatures who are there around the throne and 24 elders, all of the heavenly beings. But let's go to the angels, the army of angels. Of course, they have wings. And they're dressed in white, and they have feathers. Is that right? You ask any child. We learn a lot from children. 
angels. I want to tell you a story. <laughs> I think. Just check the time. I got lost in Istanbul once. Very, very, very lost. I had travelled 36 hours from a little country in West Africa called Guinea-Bissau, gone through Senegal, stayed the day, through to, flew to Rome and arrived at midnight in Tokyo. 36 hours in all. Not far as the crow flies, but an awful long way to go. And the person, the American English teacher, met me at the airport nearly midnight, got home to her place and uh, woke. And of course, I woke up early in the morning, like I always do, regardless of the time. And uh, she was off to teach. And I was meant to sleep all day and recover. So I said, I'll just walk down to the ferry with you, because she was going to go. And she said, OK, I've got to go to the bank first. I said, that suits me. I got my passport. I got traveller's checks, as you did in those days. Went to the bank and changed them. And she went through all these different ways to go to the bank. And we came to the Bosphorus Strait. We were on the European side. She had to go to the Asian side to teach. So she was getting the ferry. So she said, goodbye. Walk along here. Come to the fish restaurant. Up there, you'll see a mosque, and that's where you are, of course. There were 13 mosques. <laughs> it was the Bosphorus Strait. The whole thing was a fishing market. And I didn't know the difference between a market and a restaurant, because there were so many restaurants. I was lost, terribly lost. But I did think, I've got money and a passport. I can ask a taxi driver to take me to an international hotel, and I can ring up Lonsis and say, where am I? However, in those days, no mobile phones, okay? Silly me had not taken an address. I prayed, as you do when you're desperate. I prayed. And I had this sense that it was going to be okay. An hour and a half later, walking up and down, looking at every restaurant, counting the mosques, walking around, and uh, I said, Lord, I need someone who can speak English. And... I saw this businessman dressed up. He was going over to his car. And I said, excuse me, I'm lost. Do you know where the American English teachers live? Because in Turkey, at that stage, foreigners were rare. And he just said to me, yes, I do, but I'm in a hurry. This man will take you. He doesn't speak English, doesn't do anything. So I dutifully followed. I felt safe. I felt protected. I felt secure. I put my trust in God. I did have one discomfort. I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but I trusted. And he took me to every, about three places where American English teachers were. And finally, he took me to this place. And I said, yeah, this is it. How on earth did I remember? Okay? And I turned around to say, thank you. And he was gone. Who was it? Was it an angel? Was it a man who wanted to just run back to his master? I don't know. But this I know is that God looked after me, protected I was safe. I was secure. Look at this verse from Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I'm sure some of you have. I always think that that man was my angel in Istanbul. So what's the role of angels? According to scriptures, they're there to do what God wants. Wouldn't you love an angel? They're there to do what God wants, and they only do what God wants. They're totally obedient. 
They have uh, no sense of doing their own thing. They're there to worship God. To, they're there waiting. What do you want me to do now? And uh, they're servants, according to Hebrews 1 and verse 14. They're only servants, messengers, the Greek word, spirits sent to care for people, to care for us who will inherit salvation. Do we have guardian angels? There is a theology about that, but it's not really biblically supported. It doesn't really matter. We've got God who's greater than any angel. We have people, who, God, who will look after us. He's a call away. Help me, God. Protect me. And he can send, and he can do this. We can infer from these events that God will look after us. He is the great one. So there is another sense here. I've just lost my notes for minutes. Angels do not accept worship of God. So anything that sets itself up and accepts worship of any kind is not true. But there is an angel in the Bible that did accept worship. It's in the Old Testament. And this angel was called the angel of the Lord. Okay? Any other angel, when they fell down because they were absolutely fearful that they had seen an angel, the angel said, don't worship me, don't worship me. But this angel accepted worship. And we can only presuppose that the one who's called the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, was God appearing in some form, even in the Old Testament, pre-Christ. But then we do know that God, who is spirit, came in the flesh as a man, as a baby, grew up among us, did good. Now, how weird is that? Sometimes I have to shake my head and think, how can it be? that God, creator, would come so that we would know, so that we could see, so that we could look at this God, so that he could speak and have it be recorded, so that we could have relationship with this God on earth, whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us and gave himself for us so that we could have access once again to heaven come down and meet with us and we could eat of that tree of life and have eternal life and know forever and ever that we are his this God who is the great one who is greater than any created being lives inside us and this God says the one who is in you is greater than any other isn't that wonderful? Amazing. That makes me smile. So don't worry if you've never had an angel. You've got God. You've got his protection. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ living within by his spirit, weird and wonderful, life-giving and changing, transformative. Let me pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that our God who is spirit came in the flesh and the God who is spirit still comes by his spirit into our lives so that we can call ourselves children of the living God. Thank you so much for your love, your protection, your intervention in our lives so that we can live 
in harmony with you and with others. Amen.